Coming up on the XR for Business podcast, today we're speaking with Lance Anderson, founder and CEO of Lance AR, a consulting and services company for enterprise AR space focused on helping organizations scale deployment. We'll be learning about the challenges and learnings from his experience, all that and more on the XR for Business podcast. Lance, welcome to the show. Hey, great. Thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. It's very exciting to meet somebody uh, as passionate as you are about bringing augmented reality to the enterprise. But before we start, explain how you got here and what is it you do for customers? Sure. So I'm coming from, uh, let's just call it, let's round it down, right? Let's call it 15 years in the uh, enterprise space, selling software and services and uh, automation, things like that. Ended up at Vuesix uh, in uh, 2015 and uh, had a great run with those guys. Late 2018, I left Vuesix and started Lance AR because I was just frustrated. Frustrated with the lack of companies deploying augmented reality at scale, right? There were, there's, everybody talks about the dizzying ROIs that are out there to get and all the wonderful things and, and advantages that this, this technology brings, yet no one was deploying at scale. And I had this unique position at Vuesix, right? Because there were so few hardware providers that we were able to see thousands of pilots and POCs in all different regions and different use cases. And we just saw so many of those either fail, sputter, or just kind of evaporate. Um, so I wanted to take all that knowledge and bring it to the enterprise space and see if we could turn some things around. That's why uh, Lance AR came about. And really what we do now is we connect uh, enterprise users, AR hardware manufacturers and AR software providers, uh, the problem solvers, right? We connect them all in, in an agnostic way and try to make sure that these folks are set up in the right way for success, that they have a strategy for, uh, for achieving success and then for taking success and moving it into what, what I would call scale deployment, right? So success could be a, a five unit pilot, but it's, I don't consider it success until it's 500 units or a thousand units rolling through the company. Uh, so that's in essence what we do. Well, that's amazing. My first thought when you were talking about kind of the challenges and pitfalls of getting caught in what they call pilot purgatory would be if you had to kind of focus on the five main things or six main things, what are those main challenges that make it so difficult to go from pilot to scale? Everybody's at fault, frankly. So I've done a lot of sales and marketing my day. Our, the marketers in our industry are at fault, promising future worlds today that just aren't quite possible. There's fault in the hardware manufacturers. Just We got to call out Microsoft on making videos that people won't go, we want that. Yeah, it was Microsoft. SAP <laughs> did one down in 2014. Everybody's been making these beautifully Hollywood produced videos on, look at what you can do with AR. And then they put the glasses on like, well, why is the view cut off? They're like, oh yeah, well, well about not that. really, not really. <laughs> well, almost, right? Use oh, your imagination, no. right? Why is it getting hot on my head? You're like, ah, oh, well, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I look, yeah, yeah. And I look at it, it's like back in the day, right? You've got shysters selling tonics, right? Solve every problem tonics out of their, out of the back of their car, right? And yet there are real solutions out there that are solving problems and driving value. And I think we're starting to see that, that where companies that have been this a long time, like Vuzix and the newer companies as well, like the, the providers that are creating the, so the software layers, HoloLens too, has been hyped and hyped and hyped. And 
we're really excited because it really is driving value in enterprise. Maybe not at scale yet, which is that's what we're here to talk about. But what are some of the some of the yeah. sticking points? Let's break it down to this enterprise. And we're talking about enterprise deployments here, right? This isn't SaaS. These clients are not buying SaaS. A lot of people are selling a SaaS. This isn't set it and forget it. Sell me one pilot, sell me one license, a pair of glasses, and then I'll take it from here and deploy a thousand units. There's a dichotomy of what's being sold. Most people are talking to the C-suite and they're selling digital transformation, transformational AR, the new way of working, right? But they're also getting budget and getting paid solving problem-specific ROI for operation. Those two are, are, are dichotomous, right? So they sell five units, five licenses. Here's my platform license. Here's the hardware. We solved your problem. We delivered ROI for these five users. And it's like hands in the air, good luck, God bless. And they're expecting these organizations, these large enterprise organizations, to take those five units and proliferate it throughout their business and turn that into 5,000. And that's really where Lance AR comes in. And that's where we saw a massive gap. It's really in the services side. So one of the things we brought out, and we, we actually brought it out at AWE this year and really leaned into it at the EWTS show this fall, was what we call our process engineering services. Aftermarket sales, all right? So what we found was the, the service providers and the hardware providers were selling, they weren't selling success, they were selling the start right? Which is these pilots and all that. We come in after the fact and we bring in the knowledge expertise, the engineering knowledge expertise for manufacturing or logistics or whatever it might be. That also has the AR experience. And we work with these clients to say, okay, you, you got your first pro uh, process onto the, this new platform. So what about your other 999 processes? How do we prioritize them? How do we take care of the back end that will make these a reality? Some of these uh, processes are easy to move into a head-worn AR space. Some of them require all kinds of data connectivity to silo data in your organization, and they will require other projects to be done just before we can do this. So we try to look at all that, help them through this, and start them on this longer-term, not long-term, but longer-term iterative transitional process. I hate the word disruption, and frankly, most people in business hate the word disruption. No one wants their operation disrupted. They want it transformed. What did you call this? Because I think this is, we need to emphasize this. The iterative. It's the iterative transformation or the iterative deployment of augmented reality, virtual reality within your business organization. And I think the key word there being iterative, people think you're going to just buy this SaaS software, install it, and it works perfectly forever. They're missing the part where you have to make the content for it. And you yep. have to make the content for one job role is going to be different than another one. Now, there's going to be overlaps, and it's knowing where those overlaps are, where you can take pieces from the other one and bring them in. I think what you're doing is very smart because we're also seeing the same thing where we're focused kind of on the training side of things. Yep. But you make one training module, it does not translate to every role in the company. Maybe there's overlap, maybe you can reuse the, the graphics or the interactions, but every role within a company has its own distinct uh, training algorithms and same with when you're going through digital transformation of things using AR, well, a pick and pack is not the same as driving a forklift. Exactly right. And training is a good example. I'd like to get back to that one in a minute, but before just to finish this first thought out, another area that I think our software providers are, are really missing is the fact that you can't sell something that is just completely new into an enterprise organization effectively. That enterprise is running today. 
that factory is open. It has to run. It has to churn out tires, cars, parts, whatever it is. Disrupting that, stopping that, removing all of their or a huge chunk of their existing processes and putting this one in, it's just not going to happen. That's not the way business works. It's too much of a risk. There's too much of a, f- a fiduciary risk and operations risk and all that stuff. And I'd say one of our clients, Logistiview, they're in the uh, logistics space. And originally they were going after new greenfield systems. The ROI was there. Their technology could save millions of dollars, yet it wasn't getting traction. What they learned was we have to exist within this existing ecosystem of these warehouses. And we changed their tagline to change everything without changing anything. And what that means is they developed their brand new AR, AI, computer vision software to work with antiquated AS400 green screen systems that are the reality of how these manufacturing and logistic plants are operating and created that interface and that that filter, I guess is probably a better way to put it, and merger so that these companies don't have to change their core backend systems to use this new technology. And now that they're starting to use this new technology, it's these organizations themselves that are raising their hands and saying, hey, wait a minute, could we use it over here? Could we add it over here? Now that we're connected, wow, look at all the great stuff we can do. And Logistics business has exploded recently due to this change. And I think they're a fantastic example of what's been going wrong in this industry, which was, here's our great new technology. It's so awesome, Mr. Enterprise user, that you should change all your backend systems and come over and do things our way. That's just not the way of the world. And we're in that transition right now. I think you nailed it here. Change everything without changing anything. <laughs> that is just a brilliant tagline. And if you think about it from an enterprise standpoint, that changing anything on a line, unless it's going to create massive value in the 10, 20, 30% improvement range, it's risky. I think augmented reality and virtual reality and these technologies now, they do drive that kind of warranted rollout. But then how do you do that in a way that doesn't disrupt it? And I, I think you you nailed it with kind of synchronizing with legacy systems, even though very difficult to do. You're taking cutting edge things that run on cloud and edge with antiquated systems that are buried in servers on-prem and trying to marry that together. It's it's interesting. And I love your, your point about selling this stuff is not uh, SaaS. And so many startups that I see, I pretty much everyone, it's a SaaS play that they're that they're working with. And that's very difficult when the content doesn't exist for the roles that you're looking to work on. Content is is key. So let's go back to your training uh, example, because I think it's a brilliant one. So most training, right, you were seeing the majority of that is in the VR space. Makes perfect sense. Great opportunity for it. I love training because training departments have budgets. A, they B, they are generally looking for new technology and new ways to train uh, their workforce. And C, they look for mobile training, getting it out of the classroom, making it more realistic, situational training and all that. As you know, there's a significant content creation play there. But what I what I also see is... I know. Right? But think about that. Yeah, you know. You know all too well, right? There's a reason we started our own accelerator to, to yeah. bring the whole community together. We see this. Look, there's a lot of content providers in the world making amazing things. But fast forward three years there won't be nearly enough content creators to satisfy the needs of any of these companies at scale. Well, it's the same problem though, Alan. So think about it. So there's two things that need to be done. So creating net new content in this new way is simple. There's actually better ways to do it now. But 
companies have, most of everything they have is not net new content. It's old content that has to be changed and moved and morphed. And who owns the process? Who owns the updating of the process? Is it the training group? Is it the operations group? Is it, do we even know? <laughs> right is half the problem right so but my we're, we're working with a client now and they they we said okay so we're, we're going to train your uh, employees in this role and said do you have a manual and they gave us the manual but it was the instruction manual of the computer <laughs> that they work on it was like written in dos 2.0 love it i was like i okay so this is and i said so where's the manual you give to the staff they're like that's, that's it. it man it's like oh my god you can't read this thing it's impossible right Sprink, but, sprinkle yeah. in a little tribal knowledge on top of that that isn't written down ever, anywhere all this kind of stuff exactly. right but so but think about this so wh whatever content you do create in the vr space for training all right very few people have thought about the investment that you make there. What percentage of that could the worker take with them on a pair of AR glasses, right? Oh, now, wait a minute. So there's training that you have in that classroom. Let's, let's, I'm going to give you a simple number. So one third of it is you have that training one time. You get it. You got it. Good. It's in your head. You move forward with it. Another 30%, ah, gosh, maybe you don't use it every day. You don't use it every week. And it would be great if while I was on the job after training where I could just click on uh, something and see a quick video or get a quick little reminder, right? Ah, refresher training, let's call it. A little telementor on your shoulder. And then there's 30% of training that you're just never going to get right. And you really need in the field to be taken through step one, step two, step three, step four, right? But the content that you guys create on the VR side, that investment, and we're talking to the C level and the V level here, the investment you make there can trickle down right? And move into your AR and your, and your worker on the floor experience. If you're going to give them some type of mobile way to consume that, then let's let those workers feed back into the system. If there's a part they're working on that there is no video for, there is no training for, well, maybe they could film point of view themselves and, and walk people through the training of it, right? And have this system that starts to work within itself. And the whole thing is connected. It's a much bigger investment. It's much bigger than just the hardware you purchase or the SaaS that you purchase. It, it's a mindset of how we're going to capture data, create content, always update that content and keep this thing moving forward. It's just not as a static thing that everybody thinks it is. Absolutely. It's multifaceted, but I think there's also the ability in, in the last, I would say 24 months, 360 content, for example, you, you had to you know, stitch every scene together and it was thousands of dollars a minute. I can buy a camera now for 500 bucks. It shoots better than we were shooting three mm -hmm. years ago. And it stitches on my phone and I can literally make a, a quick training thing on my phone and publish it to a VR headset in, I don't know, an hour. So you've got that kind of low end side of things where companies can start to create their own content. Then you've got higher end things where maybe you, you want to have full hands on training of something. You need to bring in a machine or a, you know location and that sort of thing. But as this range of content starts to be made, there's going to be start to be similarities. And we're not seeing it yet because not enough people are working on it, but there's going to be similarities where if I do a fire safety warehouse training, turns out that will work for pretty much any warehouse. <laughs> I can transfer it. And so being able to transfer the knowledge from one company to another is also something that nobody's looking at yet. I agree. And, and so our, a lot of folks are selling to the actual end user but why not sell to the, 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 the provider? So if I'm the provider of, let's say, conveyor technology for a warehouse, right? Yep. I should be providing and updating all that training material that can be consumed either through VR or AR. 
Right? That's my responsibility, not the employer's responsibility to keep up with your changes and your manuals and all that kind of stuff, right? And if and if 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 we can create a little environment where individuals could tap into that knowledge base, that would be great. Well, the problem with that is you need to you need to make sure that everybody's synchronized because if my company bought Oculus Go headsets for training and then my supplier comes along and goes, hey, we just made this training in VR, but it only works on HTC Vive. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, right. there's no standardization. And all VR is not made equally, um, as we know, or AR yep. for that matter. And uh, there's going to be a huge range of quality types and com- compatibility issues and all this. So, Alan, th- standardization is not on the table for the next three to five years. It's it, We will get there because if this technology is going to mature and, and become ubiquitous like most of us think it will, we will get to standardization. We will get to commonalities that make all this simple because the clients and the users will demand it. They will demand that simplicity. They will demand that interoperability. But this this mm-hmm. war isn't done yet. And so what we tell clients, actually, I'm glad you brought this up. It's a great segue. One of the next biggest hurdles is is companies trying to decide on one physical platform that they're going to go forward with. And that means a brand, is it VR, is it AR, is it a brand? And, and even for the software, we're going to choose this one software provider. That's not going to get us there. Obviously. I mean, come on. It's not going to get us there. Yeah, I know, right? 1990 is going, they want their business model back. <laughs> exactly. So, so what, we, what we, we, we try to impart through Lance AR is we talked about the iterative process improvements and process engineering that we do. We also have an iterative model that helps companies go from, let's vet this idea, read innovation department, right? Into this comes out, let's go get budget and funding and, and KPI agreement. Everybody forgets to do that. Let's make sure the C-level and the IT and HR and operations and everybody is very clear on what they would agree is success or not. And then we agree on what we'll do if we are successful before we start. And if you don't do that, don't start. Go spend your money on, I don't know, take everybody out to a ball game. You're, you're better off getting value out of that. But so do that and then iterate. And it's the circular process. And while your company is, is taking the one good idea they decided on and moving that into operations, your IT department should be looking at the next round of physical hardware that's coming in. So you're not waiting for that. You just kind of keep these circles going. And then- Wouldn't it be great if there was um, a, a consultant or... Somebody you could just hire that would just keep you abreast of all this and work with your IT teams to just keep you on the top of this. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. I, I don't know. I'm scratching my head. I think I know some guy that might be able to help. Let me, I'm going to Google it here. <laughs> I just see this thing. It's Lance, uh, L-A-N-C-E-A-R.com. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. You know, but this stuff isn't easy, Alan, and that's what it is, right? It's not easy. I, you know, you and I have been studying this shit for years, yes, yes. and it's complicated because every day a new headset comes out, and yep. every day a new platform comes out. And yep. The way I liken this, and I've said it before on the, the podcast, is how do you disrupt an industry constantly and consistently disrupting itself? Yeah, it, it's it. Well, you have to plan for this technology to continue and consistently iterate. So, what you deploy. And remember, enterprise, they'd like to let me buy this piece of conveyor and run it for the next 20 years. Sorry, that's not where this is going. And so companies need to change. They need to change their mantra and understand. That's why actually one of the things we're, we're coming out with, and I, yeah, I guess I can share this, is we're coming out with Lance AR will be providing leasing terms for leasing for hardware, leasing for software, leasing for applications, 
Uh, we also provide uh, deployment services, uh, provisioning, warranty service, and things like that, because that's how companies want to buy, especially when they want to protect themselves from missing the next great tech that's coming next. Uh, but that's a side note. We, we can do that on a subsequent. Uh, we'll do that next year when that's actually uh, in the market for us. Uh, and there's Indeed. other things we're doing too, Alan. I, I don't want to share everything right now, but we are going to provide the world with uh, an agnostic hardware uh, validation, uh, applicability, and use case affirmation site. Uh, we want to have it in one area where everybody can come and start to understand what these technologies can do. I hate, hate, hate when people ask me, Lance, what's the best AR headset on the market? It's impossible. I can tell you that. I know the answer to that. Yeah. What's that? You ready? It's the one that matches your needs and budget. Amen. And Is that the right answer? Do you know how much they hate that answer? Do you know how <laughs> they much hate they that hate answer. that answer? Why can't I just buy one headset and do it all? It's like, like what a cop-out. What a cop-out answer, right? <laughs> but so, so we're going to provide something that allows people to kind of self-segment themselves. My name is Joe. I, I work in Europe. I try, I'm doing manufacturing. I'm trying to do this, that, and the other thing. And we're going to get you down uh, to, to, a, to a smaller selection uh, and also let you know what's coming next. So, so we're, we're looking at that kind of stuff. And then we talked about content creation. That's a big issue. People. Yeah, we spent uh, an enormous amount of time. Well, I, I spent an enormous amount of time on LinkedIn, building a community, becoming friends with all sorts of content providers all over the world, amazing people doing incredible things. And we've kept a database uh, of all of them. And so I think we have a pretty good advantage uh, in the fact that we have access to content providers all around the world at all different levels of quality in different fields, VR, AR, MR, volumetric capture, spatial audio, you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really going to be, you mentioned it right at the beginning, content is one of those things where it's constant, it's never ending. And so how do you harness the power of the entire XR community to service the needs of these customers as this becomes, like you said, everybody is going to want this. As soon as they realize that that training uh, that used to take us two weeks and we had mm -hmm. to fly everybody in, now we can send them a headset and they're trained before they even step foot on the floor. Hello. <laughs> This is going to be a thing. It's an amazing. And, and, and you also just struck on something there where, you know, the XR community is starting to build all this stuff to, to, for the users. Let's define the word user. So there's users. There's the CEO of Fortune 500 company X that we're considering a user because he or she is writing the check. Users are the people who wear these devices and actually do real work every day and don't just push emails back and forth. Those folks. And this is another pet peeve of mine, and, and it's more than a pet peeve. It, it's a those guys who needs buy-in from the people actually using yeah, it. Yeah, 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 whatever. Here, use this. Right. This is uh, well, at least not in the U.S. and Europe. That's not how we operate, and that's not how our workers operate. That that actually is a little bit different in in China, and some of the Asian countries, and they're actually getting pull through. There's a discussion there. I don't know if we have time to get into it today, but but my point is this for the user is. And I want to talk about efficacy and stickiness of these, this technology. We all know, see what I see. Everybody's heard about it, telepresence, telementoring, tele-remote support, whatever you want to call it. And we all talk about this being the number one use case for AR headsets today. It's not sticky. That's the problem. In most use cases, it is a once a day, once a week use case. That's just not enough. And the problem is when people then go ahead and try to turn it on, that one day a week, connectivity, they, ah, gosh, exactly how did I enter my password and what button do I press and how do I do it, right? So the UX is a big problem, user interface. 
I was talking uh, with Audi who were doing, uh, they were using VR, right? And they want to use it in their dealerships. And here's the deal. When someone walks into a dealership, they're there to buy a car, not use VR. And if you want them to have this really cool VR experience and all that kind of stuff, you've got about two minutes of it, maybe three minutes of their attention span. You can't spend five minutes training them how to enjoy that two minute experience. It's got to be intuitive. It has to be natural. And what is natural today? Well, that's changing. And for us in the VR, AR headset space, let's look at what else is going on, right? Voice is everywhere. Let's use voice, mm -hmm. okay? Hand gesture control, hand using hand gestures, right? I, what did the Google Pixel came out and say, yeah, we're, we're going to enable some gestures. And you know, it's super limited and all that stuff, but whatever. They see it. They see it's coming. I was in my friend's BMW the other day, and he's just swinging his hand around, changing the radio station using gesture control. Yeah, I actually got to try the uh, the ultra haptics uh, thing on the weekend, and you basically I was in VR and I reached out. I was playing tic tac toe with a, an avatar, and I reached out, and it, it felt like I could feel it in midair. Or I could feel that I was touching something, but it was it was almost like a, a minor electric shock, like you know when you lick a battery, that kind of <laughs> feeling. It was really just it was a weird sensation. I don't know. It wasn't comfortable for me but they're trying to make it so that in midair you just reach out you feel something and you turn it like in a car you just kind of reach out but it's like okay well that's called a knob and it's right there below my yep. hand what do i need it in 3d space for it so. ellen it's the same thing as i was talking about before like the, the change everything without changing anything concept of our new technology needs to be able to work with old data systems well our new technology the way the human being who wears it interfaces with it needs to jive with their current experiences, right? Swipe, mm -hmm. you know, we all, we're all using swipe on our phones and our iPads. Well, only on Tinder. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you know, and, but if you can use that with a pair of smart glasses, when you expect to use it, when I want to move a menu or something like that, wow, then it just becomes natural. We're all talking to mm -hmm. our Echoes and our Amazon and all this kind of stuff for good or bad, right? I want to talk to my device. I should be able to do it. We have to look back. Our UX needs to look back before it looks forward, I guess is really my name. I agree with you 100%. And two things that came up this week were uh, the original HoloLens interactions where you had the kind of clicky thing mm -hmm. and point and click. And it was amazing. We've done hundreds, maybe thousands of demos on the HoloLens. And one thing that I always watched was that anybody over 30 had trouble with that, learning that little mechanism of pointing your finger up and then clip, clipping it down. What did they call it? The, I can't even remember. Anyway. But it wasn't natural. They'd just reach out and, and like they would reach out in real life and touch things. And the new uh, HoloLens 2 interactions are all kind of around that real gesture base. They learned what people, they learned anybody, any of their actual customers are trying to poke it at midair. They're like, wait a second, this is not working. <laughs> but the interactions with your hands are going to be very close to being naturally part of, of reaching out and reaching and grabbing an, uh, a hologram. And it's going to be very exciting. And we're, we're almost there. We're, we're going to get it. there. We're going to get there, Alan. We are. The Quest hand tracking is coming in January and the HoloLens 2, even though there was an article today saying that it's shipping, that article was misleading. It said, we're taking your orders now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I put it this way. I, there is so much incredibly valuable, useful stuff that can be done today with the technology we have today, physical, with the software mm -hmm. that exists today with the UI that exists today, right? Being able to use an RGB camera to give myself a thumbs up as a confirmation. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care where you're from. That's simple. It's simple yep. and it's effective and it works. And the more we use the technology that is available today, right? The more the money is going to flow in. 
and support businesses that are they're on the brink. A lot of these software folks are on the brink and they're they're or they're using investor dollars, right? And if we don't help them and pay for what they're doing today, they won't innovate for tomorrow. And our innovation will actually take a take a hit. We won't innovate as fast enough if we're just trying to stay alive. And on the software side, that's very, very true. On the hardware side, that's very true. Um, hardware companies need to be very honest with what they're doing. I thought Realware did a great job of that. They unabashedly said, we are designed to be worn with a hard hat for the field worker. If you want to use our technology anywhere else, good luck, God bless, enjoy it. But we'll try to help you a little bit, but that's what it was designed for. And that's why yep. those guys sold more headsets in North America and Europe than anyone else. They had focus. They had focus and they turns out they, they went the most simple route. And sometimes we're overcomplicating this stuff, but I, I'm going to end on this quote that you just quoted. And I think it's a great way to, to wrap this up. Let's use the technology of today to pay for the innovation of tomorrow. You got it. AR for today. We call it the now term, right? Not for the distant future. There's a lot of AR solutions that impact your current business cycles that can be iteratively expanded throughout your organization. If you plan correctly, if you really take this industry for what it is right now and, and, and understand it, there's a lot of success that can be had. And we at Lance AR would love to be your partner in helping you. And I really thank you for your time, Alan. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson, and my guest, Lance Anderson of Lance AR. You can visit them at lance-ar.com. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions. We're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is going to drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com. 
And I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper accelerate XR for business and education.